I V M. Hi friends, so we are coming to the last episode of season two of uh, the Vishal Gondal show. And uh, my guest today is a very, very special person. Special because this person uh, is associated with me now for several years. Uh, not only that, she's also been associated with the show ever since we started. And not only that, she's also an award-winning journalist. And not only that, she's also mountaineer. I don't know how many mountains she has climbed. Uh, but above all of this, she's also what I call the disaster queen. Uh, what I mean by that, that if there is any disaster happening anywhere in the world, before the military or the Red Cross or anybody can turn up there, you will find her already in the field helping people out, which is amazing. And beyond all of this, she's also an investigative journalist. So she's not just any journalist. She can investigate the hell out of things. And because of that, she was helping me on the show and she was investigating or helping me research all the guests who you've been uh, listening on the show. So she's very much part of my team. I'm really, really happy uh, and proud to welcome Anusha, Anusha Subramaniam on my show. Anusha, welcome, welcome and welcome. Thank you, Vishal. And it's such a pleasure to be sitting opposite now after having done all the research on all the people sitting here now going to be fielding questions that you throw at me. Uh, well, that these I are not questions. That, I mean, I'm sure you've already yeah, researched all the questions. Rather we have a conversation. You've Thank already you so researched much. all those questions. And I remember uh, just a few weeks back, I told Anusha that the next guest on my show is going to be very difficult. I don't know if she'll even have time and all of that. And what was your reaction? Who did you think I was calling? Uh, I didn't, I, I was actually first thinking, who is he talking about? But then you gave away when you said she's always in the mountains. So I said, <laughs> okay, probably it's me. But I didn't want to think that No, way. but you know, Anusha, really, I have to say that your story and what you have done and what you have been doing in your life is so inspirational. And it inspires me every time you do all these amazing things that I wanted you to be on the show and share your amazing journey, your amazing life lessons to everybody out there. Because there are many, many journalists who do really boring work. And I remember, so we met again, God knows how many years back. When was that? Yeah, I think uh, early 2000. And we, it used to be a regular affair. We used to meet every March. Remember the Ficky Frames the conference? conference. Yeah. Yeah. And you were, you were covering media. I used to cover media. Media and uh, you know a little bit of IT and gaming and stuff like that but largely the business of media because of which it became very important for me having also been working on a business newspaper covering these conferences and that was is when you important. were with business standard yeah so it all started with business standard and then of course I've moved up in uh, career uh, but yeah we first met when I was in business standard and you know the best part of our relationship is more friendship and uh, I don't remember uh, writing too much about you as yeah, a journalist. Yeah, exactly. And people but like... Yes, I remember very well that 
uh, when I used to write on certain topics uh, on technology, I would definitely call you to get a perspective from you because you had this inert ability to actually explain the situation. And, you know, I used to least think that, oh, man, this guy is the CEO of a company and I'm like calling him saying, I don't understand this. Can you explain it to me? <laughs> and you would like just do it, you know. And I think that's where as a journalist also, I had a lot of respect for you. Um, but then I also didn't want to kind of spoil the relationship by writing every other story on India games or something like that. But then, yeah, I'm but glad. You know, the only thing I remember about you during those days more than your journalists, because I met many journalists, I remember that you were the only journalist who used to climb mountains. And I was like, how cool is that? Because I did not know of any journalist who was a mountaineer. Yeah, and there is there was a stage in my career as a journalist also where uh, people never asked me what stories are you doing. They're like, which mountain are you climbing next? Because every time they would, you know, know that, hey man, this woman is again gone off for a month and we don't know where she is. So, yeah, so that was the best part of, uh, I think, my career as a journalist also where after a certain point in time, it came to a stage wherein people started asking me, what are the mountains but you you're what, climbing? So, I mean, again, your story is very, very, I'm very curious about it because you are a, I'm sorry to say, a Madrasi girl born in Mumbai, living in Garodia Nagar, yeah. which is like the Madras or the South India of Mumbai, you know. And uh, you are uh, surrounded by people who are studying a lot. And, you know, I presume you also studied a lot. There is no mountain here. I mean, in Mumbai, there are hills and yeah, you can call that. And uh, suddenly your interest in mountaineering, because traditionally we have seen people who've been living in Shimla, Darjeeling, Uttarakhand. I mean, it's normal for them to yeah. uh, learn or, you know, be interested in mountaineering. So how does a Madrasi girl from Mumbai who can barely go through all the potholes uh, <laughs> decided to climb mountains. Yeah, that's right. My mom says that you have to be careful when you're walking on the road because you don't come injured when you go into the mountains, but you always come injured when you're walking on the road. Yeah, so uh, I always came... Uh, so in my family, uh, the one thing I must credit my parents and my grandparents is that we always were allowed to think independently and we were allowed to do what we wanted to do. So I was a very sporty child right from the childhood. You were playing basketball? I was stuff. playing basketball in school. And, and being the youngest in the family, I went to Fatima. Oh, so we, That's Ghatkopar West. Yeah, and yeah. we had a very, very good sporting culture in school. So I started with athletics, started playing basketball, I think, when I was in class five, secondary stand. And uh, sports was in my blood. My dad used to be a boxer. And, boxer? Uh, yeah. So, From South India? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, I've not heard uh, of many. And uh, he was a great football fanatic. So my love for football also and came. They, came they were always in Mumbai? Or they uh, so my dad and my mom actually hail from Chennai. My mom hails from Chennai. My dad hails from actually uh, interiors of Tamil Nadu. Mm. But. Uh, my dad was a mechanical engineer and then he came to Bombay. He had the experience of working abroad. So they moved to the place that I currently live in when I was born. So uh, that is, I was born in Chembur as well. Yeah, we are, uh, we are both born in Chembur. That's <laughs> yeah. unique, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So right from childhood, a very sporty no, But again, case. you know, South Indians are very studious. Education is more important. They end up doing science and engineering and medicine. That's the stereotype. I'm not saying... But, you know, you were like this black sheep in the family, huh? No, actually, my sister is also into media. Oh. And 
and uh, it so happened that and your younger sister or elder sister elder sister okay so the culture of reading newspapers um, my grandfather had this very very um, important ritual that we had to adhere to every week is go to the library and pick up one book a week and we had to complete that book and so the reading habit was inculcated habit of news paper was inculcated at a very young age we had to read at least like one page you know of news so today and, the problem is the news is so bad that you don't want people to read, read the news paper exactly i i mean i'm at sometimes i feel ashamed to say that you know i'm a journalist uh but then um, you know then when the tv culture came out in you know 80s and uh, dd news used to be brilliant and i used to watch luku sanyal i used to watch ushal bakak dolly thakur and several of these news readers and it was stuck in my mind that i want to be a news reader but that time i didn't have the concept of journalism reporting those kind of things were not a part of my concept all i knew was i need want to read news and i quite enjoy it uh even when i used to read news as a child i mean i used to always ask my grandfather you know is like how do you think this news has been written i was quite interested it's only as i was growing up and you know by the time i came to class 11 i think i was very clear that i want to do something in the humanities space and i wanted to become a journalist wow you It, were clear in your yeah, 11th yeah, standard yeah yeah i was very clear and although i was obsessed with basketball and sports which is why i chose the college that i had to go to um because which is, which is which is sis yeah. and it was a winning uh, college for basketball team so i knew that school ke baad now college and that was commerce you took commerce no there? i took arts, arts i took yeah, arts yeah, and course. the best part was that uh, i had fantastic percentage in 10th and uh, they refused to give me admission in you know there's the south indian tambram girl going to south indian education society college and they said no call your parents i said no my parents are not coming to get my admission i am here to get my admission and i want admission in arts so they wanted you to take something else they wanted me to take science <laughs> So like, then, why are you taking arts? What is wrong with you? With exactly, this kind of no, that is exactly what they said. That this is not the right decision you are taking. You know, you are young. You can't take these decisions. Your parents have to tell you. Somewhere, I think my dad. I was also very good in sketching and all that. Dad had a slight inclination that, okay, if not engineering, at least like do architecture or something. But I was very clear. I have to play basketball, so I have to give a lot of time for basketball. I can't be spending time in science labs taking science and all that. And that was not part of my. That, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was not part of my. Yeah, because I remember cockroaches. even in school, my chemistry experiments. I think most of the experiments my lab really? assistant have done it. <laughs> I used to be so scared that I used to always think these chemicals are going to explode into my face, mm. and then I used to think, oh God, then how will I play basketball? So I, everything surrounded around basketball. So, so you thing. end up taking arts because I wanted to play basketball. That's a good decision. That's, it, yeah. That's a good decision. And uh, although I was not sure whether I'll take it up professionally or no, it was like us time to major. And did you do any course specific for journalism? Or? Yes. So by the second year, I knew I wanted to do major in economics. and uh, professional basketball was not something that was on my top of my mind at all at that point in time because that by then i had kind of matured a bit to realize that how long will i play basketball even if i played professionally so i said to career pe dhyan dena padega and uh, in the third year i um, 
when we finished our exams and everything under peer pressure and actually a lot of my friends were giving their CET MBA exams so i said even let me give you gave an mba exam yeah yeah i gave a cet exam as well and i cleared it very well <laughs> got into you can into clear any exam huh? that's <laughs> a part of the your tamil dna in you huh? ah probably i don't know and uh, also got a call from a good college but i am glad that i didn't do mba today because i went there and there was this group discussions and everything did very well and then finally in the personal interview they come back to you know your academic records which is you know i'm fine i was first class student but not like 90% or 80% kind of a thing then i thought to myself you know i said if everything boils down to your academics and your overall capabilities personality your group discussion how you communicate how you talk is not going to be applicable then i don't want to do this and that is when i decided that i came out of that college gate i called my mom up and said i'm just going to go and get my admissions in journalism and i told her this is cheaper than mba definitely and uh, i will become a journalist and i will write about the shitty education system wow that was wow. my whole no, because, thought see, process normally you know journalism is not looked at as a serious profession unfortunately in this country right yes and you had an opportunity to take up science you had an opportunity to take up architecture even mba and you gave all of that up yeah. to take up journalism yeah and also at that point in time i think my sister was also quite an influence because she was into television uh, production and you know advertising and all of that and she would you know actually uh, during my because i used to play basketball and i was so in love with my you know sporting kits and everything uh, i used to take tuitions to make my money because my father said anything you want to do on besides what you already doing then you have to fend for yourself so that and, and is something that was inculcated and you finally joined for journalism uh somaya okay somaya had a journalism course. course yeah yeah they had a one year journalism course which was good we had good professors and uh, uh it was a good course and, within 6 months i got an internship in midday okay and then i joined midday as a trainee once i finished my course and this is which year was this 94 1994 wow yeah yeah 94 December I remember very well that uh, I joined as an intern and then joined us and, and during that time you know it is a very different time of journalism right there was no tv was not that big there was no internet i think uh, it was I mean, newspapers were the only yeah, real source so, and magazines maybe yeah that's right because i would credit today my success in journalism and the way i my thought process and all of that to my editors and especially my first editor was ayaz memon um their way of mentoring was very different you know in the sense that um there was a certain task given to you and there was a deadline given to you now how you do it you have to do it ethically of course because you're a journalist you are responsible to public and all of that but it wasn't like sitting on your head and thinking ye story lao ye story lao so you were given freedom but at the same time uh, there was certain responsibility that was very silently you know put over you so it was a great learning process for me because i remember um when i first joined uh, midday we were not 
for almost three, three and a half months, you know, every day we would file a story. A couple of us who had joined as trainees. And you won't see that story in your, uh, in the newspaper. <laughs> and then, you know, your chief reporter or your bureau chief would never say anything, you know, ki why the story. And as a youngster, you would... Expect very that. disappointed. Yeah, you'd expect that, you know, you you are told something that, okay, you made a mistake here. This is not a right story. This is not how you write a story and all that. But they never said anything. It's only one day when I think uh, a colleague of mine had broken a story in the morning and then I followed up that story in the evening, in the night, basically. I was on the night shift. And uh, next day, the story was a front page story and... Which is when I think I got a note from the editor saying that this is what is expected. That is when you realize, you know, that, okay, this and, is and, exactly and how you go about What kind it. of stories were you doing? Was it like crime or masala? Uh, no, all or? kinds of stories. I mean, we were put, uh, initially we were put through, you know, the news desk. You were put through this desk where you only selected page three uh, your midday mates or rather yeah midday mates yeah <laughs> then uh, so I, journalists were involved in selecting the midday mates so, okay. interns as interns okay, sometimes okay. Uh, now I don't know what the process now obviously a lot of thing has changed uh, then uh, we were given an opportunity to uh, and of course reporting desk all of us actually joined as a reporter then I moved to the business desk you know, because I'd done economics and oh, uh, so, so I actually covered business for some time for midday. Uh, for midday also. Almost a year I covered business for midday. So it used to be like, you know, stock market, business story. And it was stories with a different feel and, you so, know. So you went from midday to business standard? Yeah, then when I was quitting uh, midday after about three years, in about end 1999, I think, um, my only option was uh, a business newspaper because you were you were like yeah. covering now business again I yeah I was covering business as well and I had the knowledge of business because I was an economic graduate and while I was in midday I also completed two years of my MA in economics. Wow! So this is like how much studies you do here? Yeah, law bhi karna tha, lekin baad mein time nahi mila. Otherwise, I would have done law. So between law and, and between MA, I all of this, when were you going to mountains? Over the weekends. I used to continue my trekking over the weekends because uh, I had Again, this... Again, this is not a normal thing to do, right? I mean, in, especially in... Yeah, my... so, you know, when I started with my career as a journalist, uh, basketball had completely out of the... So, this uh, is post... So, it was not like you were doing trekking when you were in I was school. doing trekking a bit, not so much. Uh, I had this uh, local group of boys in the colony who I would go trekking with. So, I've invariably like grown up playing with the boys, you know, everything. So, I was like one amongst them and I used to tell them, whenever you're going, you have to take me and go. So, that's how I started trekking a lot in the Sayadris. And uh, I continued that because over the weekend, I would get like either a Saturday or a Sunday. And um, I just realized that being in the mountains for me was therapeutic, you know, it would just let me be. Like you don't have anybody to question you. You don't have anybody to, you know, like ask you. And, you know, in a profession like journalism where you're continuously talking to people, it would give me like my solace. Be by myself. 
and just so, so lie on weekdays the... you were this journalist trying yeah. to fight the crime in this city and yeah. all of that and on weekends you used I to I went go... into my shell and I would like go and sit on top of a mountain and feel good about myself <laughs> that was how it is but, and even today for me the mountains at what point of time because I remember you did this major course in mountaineering right so I mean yeah going to trekking is all okay yeah. you have a very successful career in journalism hmm. why do you do all of this and suddenly go for this course and why what prompted what is this course about yeah so in 2009 when i was in business today uh so by then this time i had tried all means and methods i took a sabbatical in journalism once came back to journalism and then i was with business today my last stint was with business today and in 2009 uh, these are certain things you know which i wanted to do as part of my bucket list one of the things was to do a course at nim which is in mountaineering so uh, it was nothing to do with ki mountaineering course karenge to matlab mere ko zyada se zyada pahad chadne milega the idea was to just understand certain nuances of yeah, i'm just saying you know, is mountaineering this, is this like a very very लाइक साउथ इंडियन ट्रेड दैट यू नो मेरे को जो भी करना है मैं उसका कोर्स करूंगा और बाद में करूंगा was it because you wanted to learn or you was like no i no it was because i wanted to learn because i was already leading treks you know i was leading treks for my friends company uh, went to the himalayas when uh, himalayas was also a big thing for me because i used to trek so much in the sayadri i had a fear of going to the himalayas as well uh, because you i was a juvenile asthmatic yeah you yeah, asthma yeah, yeah. so i was not sure how high altitude will treat me so i had lost a lot of time you know by the time it was 2005 i was doing so much of trekking but i had never stepped into the himalayas and then my friend said i am very confident yeah kuch nahi hoga and my first trip in the himalayas was to arunachal pradesh arunachal pradesh yeah and we were doing the indo bhutan um, trek into to the indo bhutan border and my friend said that you know at 10000 feet we are going to do an acclimatization uh, trek uh, if you think you can't do that then you feel free to come back and you can you know kind of explore arunachal otherwise and we'll go and come back and see you so i had made up my mind i said yeah that is what I said if I can't do the Your acclimatization. Your first trek was Arunachal Pradesh. I mean, <laughs> my point is, these are not the kind of normal things you decide, right? Normally, कोई trek पे जाएगा तो you know हिमालय अपना Manali, Kullu, I mean Kashmir, Uttarakhand. I mean yeah, these yeah, are the yeah. normal places, Ladakh. Yeah. But so no, this was in 2005 when I did Arunachal Pradesh. Uh, yeah. So strangely, uh, now when people want to do their first trek, it's either Ladakh or it is Himachal. and i went to arunachal pradesh to do my first trek um and i had told my friend i said 10000 feet acclimatization trek doesn't happen then i'm like back but strange and i remember i had taken six astelin inhalers with me i had one which was opened my friend said don't open the five for all you know you might just not use them so i said okay and i did the walk very it was like very easily i could do the walk i had no breathlessness i didn't uh, you know kind of wheeze or anything of that sort and that gave me the confidence that 
ministry So the courses so are also it, like a boot camp. Why is it Nehru Institute? Actually, it was named after him also because he, I think, had a vision of uh, mountaineering and stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like imagine this is like 1950s maybe, right? That's no, what, 60s may the school was started. Yeah, even 19s. So, yeah. Wow. So it's called the Nehru Institute of Mountaineering. So it's a one-month course. Yeah, it's 28 days totally, and then two and fro one one day each to go and come back. So I was in business today, you know. Here I was, this associate editor of Business Today, and suddenly I go and tell my boss. I said, "See, I don't take leave otherwise, but as you know that twenty days, twenty-five days, I take off to the mountains. This year I need three more days extra, and I want to go and do my course." So he's like, "Okay, go. <laughs> you know, just go," and. Uh, and every time i would get a job na offer anything my only conditions to them used to be i won't take leave at all but in a year i'll be off for 25 days so you have to agree to that i know that there are certain limitations that only 15 days you can take continuously or other but i need 25 days so my editors used to tell me why 25 days this like comes like a very pertinent kind of uh, deal that you want you know So I was like, yeah, because I go off to the mountains. So you know, I climb mountains and I go off to the mountains. So I need at least twenty-five days. You know, I have to come back, recuperate, and all that. Saying, so okay, go. So this was for my basic course. I went in two thousand nine. Now, before going for my course, I was also training personally. I was training, so I went and did a trek in between in uh, Uttarakhand because I knew I was going to Uttarakhand. So I went and did a. a uh, trek in uh, nanda devi sanchari i carried 25 kg because i knew that i will have to carry at least 20 to 22 kg on my back when i'm doing the course so i actually trained for through this himalayan trek by then i was very confident that himalayas is the thing for me nothing is going to happen to me no asthma nothing everything is under control i went trained for it and then i went for the course 2009 and 2010 again i went back to my editor and i told her okay i finished the basic course now i want to go for advanced an advanced course, course. oh god <laughs> and then i went and did my advanced course so but you know the most amazing thing i find about this anusha is that normally people are taking leaves to go to you know whatever bangkok and holiday and this and that and you know i think this was like a i don't think so anybody in you know is like doing this kind of uh, mountaineering or trekking this is like serious stuff yeah so and, and what did your colleagues think about this right? they thought i was crazy they anyways thought like i was somebody one of those you know that if i wanted to do something i'd go full hog and do it i would not just talk about it and that's what has happened all through 
I wanted to do journalism. I went ahead, did my journalism. I wanted to join a particular newspaper. I went no, and joined the newspaper. But you know, the best thing is that even in journalism, you were not a average journalist. I mean, you were an award, red dot. It's called the red red ink award. Red ink award. Yeah, which I, mean, I got in two thousand twelve. It was one of the most. It is one of the most prestigious awards in journalism. Yeah, and I was one of the first recipients of that of when it f- first got instituted. Exactly. In you also got a fellowship in the UK. Yeah. Uh, Shivning scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. You went for that scholarship. You've then also written many award-winning articles. I mean not just this, right? <clears throat> so I mean like you're excelling in journalism. You're not like you're just an average journalist and then you suddenly go and excel in mountaineering both at the same time. How did that happen? Yeah, so I was at the peak of my career in journalism when I was in business today and after I came back from my Shivning scholarship and uh, but there was something still amiss i felt you know i mean i felt ki the job i was doing was not kind of giving me that kind of satisfaction for me every job that i have been in had to make me feel good because i give my 100% in my job and somewhere when i came back from london my perspectives changed um and you were in london for how long i was in london actually it was a three month course and then i decided to roam around for another two and a half months where i did a lot of climbing trekking across england and scotland and uh, you know i did a lot of cycling trekking and stuff like that solo i had one guide in london i had found and you know he'd like take me for rock climbing for all of these things So then and I came. And you took a sabbatical from your work for this, or no? I had lots of leave, strangely, which my colleagues still they couldn't believe that. How is it that you have so much of leave? So you know, I actually utilized all my leave, and I had done my dissertation. Five and a half months leave you had. Yeah, three months was anyways given because I had to do the scholarship anyway, and I it was I won that scholarship right, and yeah, so I was on paid leave. and i like i said i never took leave i would just take a yearly leave of 25 days or so so i had like lot of leaves got carried over and i literally had about 190 days of leave so i utilized yeah, or most of it and uh, and you know when i came back perspectives changed i wanted to do something interesting even in journalism i wanted to start a column Uh, right about social entrepreneurs because that was the time when social entrepreneurship was gaining and, and momentum. And how did the mountaineering affect your journalism? And how did the journalism affect your mountaineering? It's all about communication skills, I think, and uh, you know, being able to communicate. Um, travel was always in my blood. I love to travel. Even as a journalist in business today, I was one of the most well-traveled journalists. I'd go dig stories from some part of the country, and you know, I would uh, say that okay, here's this great story, and I need to travel here to do the story. uh the way journalism and mountaineering has helped me is i think in terms of communication and my writing skills and i've been able to tell the stories better so um while mountaineering gets you into the hinterlands of the mountain it gets you close to the culture of the mountain people it gets you to meet them at very close quarters understand them stay with them you know the life of the porters i've always been interested in the life of the guides you know mountain guides and i for me it's been a great learning uh, journey altogether 
the vishal gondal show will be right back after this break do you have a night routine well everyone has one and the to do list usually looks like this brush your teeth set that alarm get into your pajamas and switch off those screens but here's one more to add to that list tune into the positively unlimited podcast for a dose of positive action and tips on how to build powerful mindsets episodes out every monday on the ibm podcast app ibmpodcast.com or wherever you tune into podcasts the question i was trying to understand is because your journalism has been also very hard right you have not done easy stories you have taken some very tough yeah tough subjects and like the award you won was also around an investigative journalism around uh, this whole environment uh, the yeah. environment yeah. right so did the mountaineering give you the courage to take up these big things and then because you took these big things you could take the yes, courage yes actually doing... mountaineering um, kind of uh, helped me boost my confidence it helped me uh, get more clarity of thought um when you are in that kind of a space you know when you are in the mountains it helped me take better decisions so mountaineering in a way i think today if i'm a to be the person i am i would thank a great deal for mountaineering to add to that personality of mine you know i come across as this very confident um person probably many of them tell me that oh you're so practical in your decisions um for me your clarity of thought is so clear so yes it has helped me a lot mountaineering has helped me a lot in terms of understanding myself from within us so and and just you know for us to understand you know the story on environment you did what was so amazing in that story which got you an award because again there are so many stories which yeah, are done that so was you a... know when i used to go to most of these places even as trekking and all of that and i would hear these stories of uh, how environmental clearances are given out to people and my investigation i mean i started talking to a lot of environmentalists talk to people and all and then i realized that there is supposed to be something called the eia document which is called the environment impact assessment document so this environment impact assessment document is supposed to be like this 800 to 1000 word document which takes into account the entire environment um, in that one document it talks about air pollution it talks about sound pollution it talks about air particles in the air it talks about flora fauna you name it and everything and this eia document is supposed to be made by an eia consultant now as i started talking to people and finding out more information i realized that most of the environment projects that were getting clearances the eia impact assessment was being done by an eia consultant and this eia consulting company used to be a company floated by this project itself environment project jiska hone wala hai usi ke company ka so i said okay so everything is so just basically what you're saying is i am building a a project and you're i am only setting up a project yeah. yeah yeah you've got a mining project say in some place you've set up an eia consultant company okay that eia consultant company does the eia impact assessment now it's the, like i am going to inspect myself yeah, yeah, and then exactly. give myself the certificate but then that consulting company it was very difficult to say that many of these companies are part of the same bigger project you know 
but i kind of figured all of that out and on which city did you talk about who these no. companies were yeah 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 so i went to chatisgarh i went to nellore where there was these 27 thermal power plants were coming up in nellore krishna patnam basically i started my journey from there and then i traveled to konkan sindhudurg mining and uh, several other places you know and then i started uh, i wrote some 27 rti i filed to get out the eia reports because till the time i don't physically get these eia reports and see about what are the environmental glitches that these guys have uh, encountered and how they've got the clearances i could only get that from reading those eia reports i remember i still have them i think 27 reports such huge reports and after this eia reports are made there's a set of panel of people in the ministry who you know retired ias officers and all i think who actually is supposed to go through the ia reports and give their final take that okay this is right and then it goes to the ministry for clearances and stuff like that so a lot of these processes in between were not being adhered to and all of that so i said uh, this is a great story and i have to investigate i remember i investigated it for four months after which my editor in 2011 he said are you ever going to give me the story or no so i'm like if i do it let me do it well you know so i traveled to all these places got information there were a couple of uh, people i couldn't write about uh, they were pulled out of my story there was one eia i remember from one mining company which was completely copied from a russian eia and this project was somewhere in the sayadri western ghats <laughs> and they've used flora and fauna like spurs and birch which is actually found in the in cold Russia. areas yeah. and i was like you know then i got in touch with the russian eia who wrote the russian eia report got in touch with him got his information i said do you even know that your report has been plagiarized he's like no then i said okay is this the report that you have written so he said yes and then i got into conversation with him as to how he went about doing it and you know combined so all of this so basically you unearthed this entire scam of how people were how for- clear environmental clearances are given actually wow so it was also called i think the story was called the green trick or something like that wow. i i can't remember and uh, before i left for my evenings this was in 2011 i think october or november my story appeared i started working on it way back in and and what was June. the impact of the story did any action happen uh, i that? i believe so that it was picked up in the parliament and you know there and these things have been happening so that's the sad part of it you know you do so much of investigation you do these stories but uh, from a government policy point of view or the government perspective things hardly change you know, it's amazing you see all these hollywood movies where you know these journalists investigate scams yeah. and whatever watergate and all of that yeah, right yeah yeah and in india of course right now the environment is very tricky for journalism and we've been reading yes. about all kinds of challenges journalists are facing yes but you in 2011 went and actually did an investigative piece on the mining industry which is supposed to be the most 
dangerous place it's a yeah, naxal it area yeah mine, largely mining only i mean largely mining, mining and, and of course the most contentious issue right because environment has been yeah. right now i think you know especially it's, environment was never considered an important subject you know in the sense that it was almost like yaar let's get ye kisi ko bhi report banwa do huh. and you know ek ek tick mark karke yeah, pass that ho is exactly how it's been happening even today and i am glad that you know uh, there was always this uh, thing about not wanting to apply for awards and stuff like that because you know every time you you have to be around that place you need to lobby and these these are the things that have been told to us you know and uh, so when i was leaving for my evening scholarship this press club invitation came to fill in give you nominations and all and my editor said why don't you apply for this award as well so silently i just applied i got all my necessary information i had to get printouts of my story and everything i remember i was leaving in march uh, the day i was leaving i actually sent a courier to the mumbai press club a physical copy and i sent my email and everything and i headed straight to the airport and i completely forgot about it and i remember not even checking my emails when i was in london and i remember i was food shopping in mns the mns food store at 8 yeah. o'clock with my pakistani friends who were also part of the evening scholarship and suddenly my colleague calls me up and he says and i had only saved his number on my london mobile number so i said just in case you know business today has anything to tell me or something which i need to cover in london then i have one contact point apart from email and he calls me up and he says guess what i'm catching a huge check of yours you won an award and you're the first award and guess what your first editor ayaz memon actually gave you this award i said wow there are some paise kitne mile so he's like check 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 is in my pocket i said listen i know you're drunk and very happy please go back home with the check i said i don't care of the cardboard check but the physical check and please deposit it in my account tomorrow <laughs> and then next morning actually he sent out an email saying that um, you know one of our colleagues has done so well she's right now in evening and also he had written a lovely note you know saying that Uh, she's also won this award no, but you know the best thing is that you can't take the investigator out of you right <laughs> yeah. after this amazing investigative journalist piece which you did and you won an award you did another investigative journalism yeah very recent very last recently, 2016 which got yeah. you i don't know maybe you'll get an award for that too but no no was, i did i did i got a mention in the red ink award okay. i mean yeah and uh, i think for people out there you just now have to go and google this it is called faking Mount Everest. So Anusha is possibly the only journalist who has been sitting in Mumbai and unearthing a scam, which was happening on the top of Mount Everest. That's how big the scam was. Anusha, please tell us about <laughs> how did you find these thieves on Mount Everest sitting here? Yeah. So I uh, was going through some stories of people. So it's general ritual, right? So when every year in May there are so many Indians who go and climb Everest, and that year, of course, our friend, common friend Kuntal, Kuntal was also yeah, climbing. Yeah, and of course he's been on the on the show. Yeah, exactly. So Kuntal was also climbing, and then I remember meeting him on June third, and you know, asking him about his experience and all of that. And uh, while right now I wasn't like. associated with any newspaper but i was still writing for midday on and off very select stories and uh, 
June 5th, I came across this other story in 2016 saying that this first Maharashtra constable couple who've, you know, reached Mount Everest and all. And not only and that, the they picture, got prizes and they yeah, got yeah. cash prize from the police. They were supposed to get, I think uh, they got a couple of awards and um, uh, they had done a press conference in this. Then I saw the story in Indian Express. I immediately called Kunta and said, Kuch to garbar hai, you know, there's something not right about this. These people look too huh. fresh that they have climbed Mount <laughs> no, Everest. No, the picture itself didn't seem right. And then Kuntal gave me some instances. And he explained to me a couple of things. Then he told me that you could probably go and check with so-and-so person. There's this lady in Thani and I called her up and she said, yeah, yeah, I filed a complaint, police complaint. And uh, these guys are fraudsters. And uh, they, so they had photoshopped, right? What was yeah, the... they had photoshopped. So I said, so what is a complaint that you have filed? Have they like summit Everest? Because I had to be very careful because I was going to, you know, kind of take on these guys in public service without having any proper proof. I would have been like defaming them without any proof, you know. So I wanted to be absolutely correct when and I wanted to see those complaints that they had sent out to the police commissioner of Pune and all of that because these guys were based in Pune these constables were in Pune police so they said like ye sara photographs bhi galat hai and you know so how did this lady in Thani know about because they had actually climbed some Australian 5 challenge with them or it's called the Australian 10 challenge where you're supposed to climb 10 peaks in Australia in like some 2 or 3 days and these guys had an history. So, and then, you know, ours is a very small community in mountaineering. The moment somebody is on top of Everest, you know that the person is on top of Everest and you know the entire history of how he came on top of Everest. So, these guys had all the information and everything. So, so these are two constables, right? In yeah, police. the husband and husband, wife. Husband, wife, constable. They raise money from... From their colleagues and friends and all that. And that's go not a small climb. amount, right? Yes. They must have like 50 About lakhs. About 70, 70 yeah, lakhs. lakhs. So, they together. raise 70 lakhs and they say they're going to go and climb Mount Everest. Everest. And finally, they come up with this photograph that we have summited. Summited. Everest. And with the Maharashtra police flag and even with the Indian flag and all of that. And, and uh, you smelt a rat? Yes, I smelt a rat and uh, to add to the uh, fuel to the fire was a couple of other mountaineering friends who were like, no, 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 you have to take this up and you know, you're the only one who can probably bring this to notice. And in the past also there have been a lot of fake, but then you cannot write any of these things without having proper proof. And, and proof of climbing Everest. Everest My point exactly. is that you know it is not like you had gone to the swimming pool or you've gone to exactly. the Bhaji market. So you had huh? to be I had to be extremely careful about the kind of documents I was getting, whether they are authentic, all of that. Then I spoke to the police commissioner. Then after I was convinced, I called up midday and I said, Here is the story I have. I said, I will not be able to do this on my own. So I need a reporter from your side in Pune to actually do the groundwork for me. I will guide her and all of that. So initially the editor was like, are you sure you want to like kind of do this with somebody? I said, yeah, I'm 100% sure. The story is mine. But uh, I need somebody else also, you know. And I never have been one of those journalists who ever didn't want to share my contacts or do anything of that. I would like give everybody my contacts. I would even give story ideas to other journalists and all. And my colleagues used to always say, how do you do this? I said, see, I'm very confident of myself. My story is my story. What I give the others might not so, be my story so, at all. So 
somebody saying ki ye photoshopped hai to proving that Yeah so what did, happened how did you prove it because i know even they were banned by the nepalese government right yes yes so what happened was my first story appeared saying that these guys have conned himalayan con or whatever is the headlines the story appeared and then uh, next morning i remember 6 o'clock i get the call from this mountaineering guy says anusha i said yes he said, I got your number from uh, kuntal and uh, the picture that has been used by these guys are mine I said, and they have morphed the face. Yeah, they morphed his pictures with their face. So I said, "Are you sure?" And then it started off. Series started one after the other, one after the other. I started digging, digging, digging. I got more information. Then I did lots of story. I think I worked on that story for almost fourteen months, relentlessly. And then eventually, what no, happened? So then, so once you saw, then this guy said, "It's my then photo." Then he sent me all his original photos. Then he photos. sent you the original photos. Photos, yeah. Then how did you convince, or how then you spoke to people in Nepal also, right? Yeah, how, yeah, yeah. You... Then I spoke to people in Nepal. I got in the touch sh- with the, the adventure sport company that these guys had hired. I had to speak to him and find out how things happened. And through him, I got to know that they had not even walked to base camp. They had flown into base camp. So they didn't even climb base camp. <laughs> yeah. Satyanas. I mean, I have done base camp. Yeah, that's what I got to know. So they didn't walk to base camp, and they claim that they went to Everest. Everest, yeah. And uh, people did see. Well, most people who were going to be summiting around that time had seen them in base camp. However, they might not have seen them trekking, but they saw them in base camp and all of that. But uh, nobody remembers of seeing them in summit. Nobody remembers of even meeting them at camp two, camp three, because generally, you know, you end up meeting these people, right? and then i spoke to the dot in nepal it was a big challenge because i had to get the pune police to get in touch with nepal government get that letter out the summit certificate out so they were they did not have a summit certificate or they did they had a summit certificate i got ah. that cancelled but what, how I, did you how did they get the summit certificate if they never climbed the summit because they placed all these photographs and obviously the nepal government the mountaineering department are not gone into So Keen that's investigation. how they give you the summit certificate. Yeah, so basically you need to have your photograph, your videos, and all of that. What if and you climb do. Everest and you don't get um, the camera? So your work. Sherpa actually takes your photograph and he takes your video and all of that. And um, these guys did the similar thing, but they these so they guys probably obvious- stayed in the base camp for thirty days. Yeah, more than that, probably. Yeah. Because they yeah, did. I don't. I, I presume they had to at least yeah. be on base camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did, and then uh, they were like, um, so one of the liaison officer, then uh, their sherpa, all of them were hand in glove. He they must have given them money. So these things happen, and unfortunately Look, for them, they fell in my hands. Happen, but then doing an investigation <laughs> to the point that the Nepal government. Bans them, right? They can't they enter Nepal. They banned them first, and then I made sure that their certificates are cancelled. The, the summit certificates, certificates are cancelled, and I think they can't even enter Nepal or something. Yeah, right? they're banned for ten years. Uh, they can't do mountaineering in Nepal, and five years, I think, they can't enter the country. Something to that and effect. Yeah. You got that done, and then what happened in India? What did the? How did the police react to this? Because it was a big cake on the face of the police department too, right? Because I mean, yeah, normal- they didn't. Act, they were like not sure whether this is all right. and all but as the story started coming out and everything then they had an internal inquiry and all of that then there were times where the couple actually called for a press meet and said that all of this is false and they like literally said that i have defamed them and 
all sorts of accusations against me i said never mind it's part and parcel of my career as a journalist but i will make sure that these guys but, and don't they finally get fired from the police department yes they fired from service they cannot be in police any <laughs> bravo bravo so guys all i can tell you is that you could be committing a fraud in bermuda strangle you could be on top of any mountain you could be committing a fraud on moon as long as there is anusha <laughs> there is a huge chance that you will not only get caught but you will also be taken to task and i think that's the best part about how strong journalism is right because yeah. these things because we see so many things wrong in the society yeah but you know today's world we are tweeting and liking and you know everybody is becoming a armchair activist yeah. but you have taken and and you could have also easily ignored it and said yeah, ha ha well, like what happened recently you saw the post i did on this Lord lady Fuji. who has climbed who the news story said that this lady has raised money from the local municipality to climb the first woman to climb maharashtra to climb mount fuji i just came back from japan mount fuji is like a you know and you, tourist spot and you i think climbed spot. it 2 years ago yeah it is a tourist <laughs> spot and i'm like how the hell is a, a municipality sponsoring a trip to the tourist spot yeah of course i but i did not have the courage time and energy to kind of really pursue it and take it to task yeah. but what made you do that so i think uh, for me two things are very sacrosanct one is journalism has to be done well secondly mountaineering is very very dear to me in the sense that you can't be going to a mountain and saying that i was on top of it see the best worst so thing about so they were trying to to basically insult the profession of mountaineering basically or uh, the art the, the, yeah, the sport of mountaineering itself. right you know and also you've insulted your own police Uh, uh, fraternity because, because when you are a police department i mean you, you are supposed lie. to be the ultimate upholder of truth and law and everything yeah, and right and sadly you know the problem is that nobody understands mountaineering even from a journalist perspective now i was But only able to you saw to... the journalist who wrote the story that the highest exactly. peak in japan no, and all that right so a lot of stories that have appeared on people summiting mount everest and all is what the mountaineer sells you you have not been able to question that's because you don't understand the sport it's about many other sport that where journalists write about without understanding the people sport. are right that they have raised 70 lakhs yeah then they go on a no, chopper no but these questions were never asked right so when you no, because when you think oh you know police department husband wife you know they would be like really doing this well also see when the first time when they said we climbed a mount everest they have to ask what time did you climb and all of that and there are certain time only that you can be on top of mount everest you know you can't just give any out but these are things which you need to know if you if you have researched on mount everest or if you have been covering mountaineering and all and that's where my expertise i think came where i could make out that this picture is morphed that sunlight is different you know the original photographs was totally different so it's sad but then today we having that kind of reporting where people don't understand the profession of mountaineering so like for instance uh when i was raising funds for kilimanjaro also right now when i've climbed with the blind and i've come back um i didn't get enough press i didn't i i just wanted a little bit of press to just say that i want to raise funds you know so here there are sighted people who are faking everest 
and you have so by the way for everybody here just to kind of tell you anusha has just come back from an expedition which involved climbing kilimanjaro it was a very easy ride because she was accompanied by how many blind mountaineers three blind guys three blind and, and 10 sighted so here we are talking of the sighted people faking everest and all these things and anusha took with her this whole challenge of taking possibly the first was it it there? was the f- india's first inclusive climb to kilimanjaro yeah so what was the experience there oh it was wonderful because uh, climbing with a blind is a totally different uh, experience in a way that uh, you learn so much uh, i've learned some new techniques of how to walk with the blind and um, they are just like you and me vishal you know honestly and they actually have much stronger senses than we do and i think because we are sighted and we have so many of all our senses working 24/7 um we constantly cribbing complaining but you look at them they're so calm and all through the walk they were our strength you know all through the walk the vishal gondal show will be right back after this break Have you gotten yourself a gym membership and shown up only a few times? Are long working hours cutting your fitness goals short? How about you change things a little? Even a small effort can make a big difference. And I'll tell you how and what exactly. Hi guys, I am Coach Urmi and on the Kinetic Living podcast, you can look forward to some interesting stories of people who have changed the way they look at fitness after their kinetic journeys. Episodes out every Wednesday on the IVM app, website, and anywhere you get your podcast from. No, but you know, my point is that you did this. You did this amazing climb. Before that, you cycled with Manali to Khartoum. You did the tandem cycling yes, uh, with, with again a blind and the sighted ones. So, what is it with you and taking these crazy challenges, right? I mean, these are people. You know, we can't do this normally, or even with fully able people, and you are partnering with. people yeah. with special so, abilities you know, when when i actually quit full time journalism and i started doing work with the people of the mountains be it disaster relief or whatever the one thing i realized that there is so much you need to change but if you're not going to be that change you're never going to change anything so for me i've always believed in if you want to change something you be the change yourself and uh 2016 when i met divyanshu for the first time i was researching for a show for bbc and i just realized that there's a connect here he wanted to do adventure sport he started this he was in planning to start this organization and i said here i am sighted who has the mountaineering skills all i need to do is merge the two i didn't know then that i would do so much work in this space or rather start working in this space but i had decided that i want to do something in the space of inclusion of persons with disability in the outdoors because it's all about creating that equal opportunity which most people who have not grown up with persons with disability or who have never studied with persons with disability will never understand because we've always been kept aloof from persons with disability you know and then when they suddenly are there in mainstream with you you don't know how to react and all it took me some time even before i got to know divyanshu also it took me some time to get to know him better so when i met divyanshu i was quite inspired by his story you know he was this blind guy and he 
ही सो इंडिपेंडेंट ही डस एवरी थिंग ऑन इज ओन मैनी अ टाइम नाउ ओवर अ पीरियड ऑफ लास्ट कपल ऑफ यर्स दर आई नो हिम फॉर द लास्ट थ्री फोर ईयर्स दर आई नो हिम समटाइम्स वी फर्गेट ही इज ब्लाइंड यू नो माई पॉइंट इज नॉट दैट माई पॉइंट इज दैट See, we meet all these people. I have met Divyansh Shu, yeah. but meeting them, knowing them, and then taking a commitment of actually doing an expedition or doing the cycling trip. Hmm. So, my question to you is that: What is making you do all these things? What is driving you to do this? See, I have always been somebody who likes to share whatever I know, my skill sets or whatever. And for me, even if I can, you know, probably. help one person with what i know and i'll be happy no but my point is you know for example for me the driving i could we have also helped but the way <laughs> we helped is we gave whatever money we could do to support yeah. or connect you i'm just saying that true, true. that is a very different kind of help for me i really don't know what is driving me it's just that uh, i'm just happy doing what i'm doing i mean and it uh people might think so there yeah, is a look, lot of you are pagal you are mad that is maybe that is one reason but what yeah, is the so when people don't have an explanation is when they say pagal hai but <laughs> i am trying to figure out what is the explanation because you know what there are people who have millions of such opportunities yeah. and we all as i said right for us doing a retweet is the way to contribute for somebody they donate something or for somebody else it is about you know clapping and cheering but in your case you like really take it to the next level yeah because like i said you know i always like to see a change uh, and to see that change you have to change you know so till the time i see it's all nice to say that you and, know and were you always like this i mean my point is even in school were you doing this or was there a turning point which kind of made you do this uh i was always kind to people or i always felt that empathy towards people who didn't have something or i had something and all but as a child i was quite brash as a youngster i don't think it um, came to me very easily well i would write all my notes in sitting in the library and everything i easily give it away to all my friends who would sit outside the class and not take a single note so i've always been the helping kind but a lot of this has uh, i think um, so so what is your ultimate goal i mean you are very young now right i mean where do you see yourself 20 years later you've already done all these climbing you've done all these extreme things you've unearthed scams and you've won awards mm. what are you going to do next i think i'm going to continue uh, i would like to do more work in the inclusion space i'm i'm just trying to see where how can i take this to a level where it's no more just a dialogue it becomes a way of life for a whole lot when you say inclusion you're talking about the disability persons with disability in the outdoors so now i'm looking at you know trying to get together with few people who were there on this expedition to kilimanjaro we're trying to come up with some programs where we can train guides you know uh, as an asthmatic i have say, faced no from so many adventure sport companies saying you'll come at your own risk my own institute at Uh, uh, mountaineering institute were not comfortable with me saying that I was an asthmatic and I came back for. So I don't want this to happen with a whole lot of people, you know. When whether is an amputee, whether is a single arm person, whether he's blind, he is fine and he has 
all the right to be in the outdoors like you and me are but you know so a lot of people have excuses right i mean when you know like a lot of people who want to pursue their dreams they're like oh you know i have a family i have this i have responsibilities i have to make money in your case you've been having all of this right yes but still you've been able to pursue it yeah so i've been very practical in my uh, the way i go about doing things i know i have i have a home i have an old mother to take care of i have a job which i have to earn to pay my bills and i want to do this as well so i have pretty much figured out a way wherein i can do all of these things without having any issues you know or creating issues for myself i keep myself fit i'm healthy and um, i take things one one at a time and uh, i i have a very practical approach to life i don't dream and then figure out that are ab ye nahi kar sakta i make sure that okay i have this dream now let me see how do i go about it i kind of put together what i have what i need and how do i get that what i need you also know? anusha there is an important thing that you are single so <laughs> yes. does that make a big difference do you think that you being a single has really helped you pursue this more than no i don't think that is just a mere excuse because a lot of people would say that yeah yeah you know oh well i get that question thrown at my face every time oh you can do all of these things because you're single i have an 85 year old mother at home who's equivalent to an 8 year old to be honest <laughs> you know and uh, touch wood she's hale and hearty and healthy and you know um she takes care of herself but the point is that being single is not an excuse i can be single and i can just be as lazy as so many other yeah, single are, people yeah, exactly. you know but uh, no i mean there is so much to do and i feel this time itself is not enough you know there is so much so much that one can do and i feel very sad when people just say uh, even i wanted to do this you know what is stopping you you have to just take that first step in everything that i have done it i have just taken that first step i have not thought of what the consequence is going to be even when i was doing raising funds for kilimanjaro i when i was even putting this expedition together with a blind how many people dissuaded me you know they said i don't think you're doing the right thing are you sure you you want to take this risk kilimanjaro Huh, for Maybe you next it is time not you challenging. Plan Mount Fuji. That's a little <laughs> yeah, more tougher. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a little more tougher. Yeah. You can't even take equipment. Yeah, and you know it was June, and I'd still not got a sponsor. You know, and my only thing was if I could only take the blind people if I got a sponsor. It had come to a stage where I'd almost decided I'll do it on my own, but I will do it for inclusion of persons with disability. And then there was this man who just you know. god sent i would say in that sense uh but you know that's exactly when you're doing good things somehow god has a plan for you happen. it happens that's you don't that's what has happened with me all the while now i when i reflect back on a lot of things like uttarakhand floods i was i had just come back from himachal after like 25 days of trekking and but what is it with you with any problem and you are the why do you have to be the first one to go there it just happens yaar kya kare because you are single and you have all these time in the I world and all of that that's the only explanation <laughs> no 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 or you have a lot of money somewhere no way where do i have any I money know, journalism also i have not made money yaar <laughs> but yeah i'm happy i'm no, because happy. you know people who are listening to this show are wondering 
exactly the same thing arusha <laughs> that the kind of stuff you've accomplished people who are millionaires and billionaires have not been able to do this you know everybody wants to do this they want to go and help the needy they want to go and support the people with disability they want to cr- solve crimes on mountains you've done it all yeah. so i think it's a, it's it's about taking that first step vishal i mean in the sense that lot of us want to do a whole lot of things so, so some I, people have so the I money and they want to do it billionaire of courage probably you, are, you have so much courage that you can you can actually do this people talk about this yeah. like i have said so many times yeah you know kabhi disaster relief ke liye jana chahiye huh. i remember when the nepal thing happened yes. uh, nepal earthquake you were again among the first few people who yeah, went yeah i had there. just come back from nepal ebc at that time and i decided to go back and thankfully at that point in time open also wanted me to write an article because i had just come back so i took that opportunity to say okay mera you know going my tickets are done coming my tickets are done now what i do there i will figure it out and that is when i started writing uh, for read if and you know i made sure that see that is what i, I don't uh, think of the consequences so much right at the beginning you know i just decide okay let me go and i'm pretty confident that things will fall in its place and that's how it happened 3 months i i lived in nepal and things just fell in place there was no glitches in whatsoever you know, as i said in your case truly the saying that the mountain comes to mohammed is <laughs> is true that you yeah. plan something and somehow yeah. uh, the the world is conspiring a plan to make it happen, happen. you know i i and the craziest believe... plans i'm going to ride a cycle with blind to to khardungla i'm going to go to kilimanjaro so when what is the most crazy thing you're going to do and you know what i think it's going to be you're going to take five blind five amputees maybe 10 people who are not having any limbs maybe four para olympians hmm. and you will take them to everest and from that everest camp you're going to take them to some other mountain or you'll do the seven summit what is the next crazy idea uh, next crazy idea is not yet in my mind as yet but uh, I I have to just look for that one crazy idea that I want to go ahead and All your ideas are already very crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for next year has to be something more oh more God. interesting I guess. More something interesting. yeah, right now it's not in my uh, I haven't thought of it. But uh, I'm glad that uh, I have proved a lot of people wrong even when they told me so that So do you ever get bored? Uh not really i mean i have figured out ways see another thing vishal you must understand that when you're single no you tend to love yourself so much that you find ways to keep yourself happy in some way or the other <laughs> so my friends are always wondering you know how do i go watch uh, movies alone how i go to a coffee shop you know the best thing past time for me i can sit in a coffee shop for hours together and just observe people Mm. I just love doing that you know I don't know if you've ever done that you no. must try it it's no. just great fun I only do meetings and, in coffee shops and then I you know write down on my notes you know that behaviors of people in that sense and then I'm like trying to gauge like how would this person be how would that person be it's quite an interesting thing to keep okay, yourself so, busy and not get bored actually so okay. I do a lot of these kind of crazy things and don't you feel lonely uh i do i mean as any other normal human being you do feel lonely but uh, mountains, mountains are your company mountains are there ah <laughs> now i got the yeah. idea mountains are your company i wish i was single so that i could also do all these things <laughs> but you know what i'm not but yeah. yeah but that's i think that's an excuse so coming back to some of the things which have inspired you 
So do you do a lot of reading? I do a lot of reading. And what are the books which have made a big impact in your life? So one of the book is Jonathan Livingston Siegel uh, by Richard Bach. I like all of his Richard Bach books. They're quite philosophical in that. I read a lot of non-fiction books. Um, many of the journalists would like a lot of fiction books, but I'm not so much into fiction nowadays. I mean, a couple of years back, I moved to non-fiction. I read a so Jonathan Livingston Siegel book is very interesting. It's a very short book actually, and everybody should read it. It's my favorite book to give away as gift as well. Uh, it talks about life. It talks about uh, self-perfection. It talks about. Um, you know how do you deal with yourself and in various such situations and i think a lot of what i do is probably coming out of from wow. there you know and and which are the other books there another very good book i like is uh, the climb of course which is a mountaineering book which is a rebuttal to um what john krakauker wrote into thin air this is the climb is by anatoly bukhrev it's truly a wonderful book and it Has actually Has the movie come? Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. more the movie person. <laughs> yeah, I know that. <laughs> I, <clears throat> but probably there's an audio book you must listen ah, to. So okay. Anatoly Bukhrev actually your uh, talks of uh, his situation in the mountain with John Krakauker has actually talked of a lot of disagreements with this Russian guide Anatoly wow. Bukhrev. So it's a very interesting book. Uh, well, there are many other books, but these three comes to my mind. And the third one is a very humorous book called Almost Single by Advaita Kala. Now, I don't like a lot of Indian writers. Uh, I like more Pakistani writers, actually, and I shouldn't be talking like that. Um, but Advaita Kala's book called Most Single is one of my books where I feel lonely. I take Almost Single and I'm reading it, and I'm like in splits after that, and it makes you feel good. It's about well, I've not three... read any of these books, so Haan. they are certainly going to be in my so list. So it's about these three women, and they're talking about their single status. They want to be single, and then you have this one parent in the house which wants to get you married and stuff like that. So it's great. It's hilarious, and it keeps you humorous. And, and how do you keep yourself fit? What is your regime like? Uh that's a good question and uh, I wake up at 5:15 in the morning. Ooh, I get out by 5:45. Uh I take my cycle and I hit the roads. I cycle for about for about 20 minutes or so then I hit the gym. So 3 days in a week I hit the gym for strength training and uh 2 days I do functional and cycling. Um weekends it's either uh, one day of the week is my rest day and one day of the weekend will be either a long ride on a cycle or i take people on treks wow that's yeah. quite a plan yes and what is your favorite food uh my favorite food is vegetarian ghar ka khana curd i rice? love curd rice yeah, yes yeah finally the tamram whether or not i have anything i love my curd rice and uh, Every day I have to have my curd rice. Every day I have to have my curd rice. I mean, whether you call me a tambram, whatever, curd rice is curd rice. Well, that's <laughs> probably the curd rice which is giving you all the strength in your brain and all the yeah, probably all the health and everything else. Yeah. Tell me, Anusha, when it comes to people who have inspired you, do you have any names in mind? Uh, not really. but uh, from mountaineering i can say that i'm pretty much inspired by bachindri ma'am i worked with her and uh, 
I like the work that she's been doing in Jharkhand and Jamshedpur, and uh, I, I really hold her to high esteem. Otherwise, I think uh, there's nobody particular that I can say I'm inspired by. Um, it's all very situational in that sense. I would say, you know, like from, from I the am journalist ins- fraternity. Who are your favorite journalists? Uh, not that's even one. That's a tough question. <laughs> yeah, I always liked Ayaz Memon as my editor, and I credit all my uh, for the kind of journalist that I am today. I would credit all my editors. So be it uh, Ayaz, be it my business today editor Brian Carvalho, who um, who's excellent, or uh, PG Matai, who was in Business Standard. Uh, I have couple of other names from Business Standard who've uh, been very good mentors in that sense. So, but being inspired and wanting to follow somebody's path has never been my. I've if, always if followed. If you could change one path. thing in your life, if you had the time machine to go back, huh. what would that be? I don't think I'd want to change anything. I'm very happy with the way my life has taken turns in the sense that. Uh, there are probably some incidents that have happened in my life if I had, that had not happened i'd just be another journalist working in some other newspaper or a magazine and doing the same mundane things you know but i'm glad that certain instances have happened in my life and that kind of has led me to be the kind of person i am today and and what is the last thing you bought technology under 10000 which you end up using a lot uh it's a safety rope that i've bought 20 That's meter technology <laughs> not technology okay uh power bank oh. which works in the mountains yeah, also <laughs> that's a good one that's an important thing here yeah so anusha again as i said i think we can go on and on and of course uh, given that you are going to do so many more exciting things we are going to definitely get you back on the show yes. but i want to kind of tell everybody out here that you know so far you have heard you have had shows in my guests who are ceos and artists and you know all kinds of super successful people but i am actually always humbled and always inspired by anusha because she has not only been doing and talking about i mean all these things we all want to change the world we all want to inspire we want all to support we all want to pursue and win awards and she has done that in her field of journalism she has done that in her field of mountaineering and she is now doing that in her field of inclusiveness anusha i have to salute you and uh, would want to end by you talking about your message to people out there who are not mountaineering or who are not pursuing your dreams so my message to people out there would be that don't think about what the consequence is going to be if you want to change something go ahead and take that first step because till the time you don't take that first step you'll never know what you're getting into it's okay to make mistakes i have made mistakes and there's always a chance to correct your mistakes it's not that if you made a mistake it's the dead end and it's end of it all it's not so so please go ahead take that chance and you will see that you are able to do what i do In so, so on that note, uh, thanks a lot, Anusha, and thanks everybody. This is the last episode of our season two.
we are going to soon come back with our season 3 and hoping to get a lot more guests on the show with inspiring stories but as always the whole idea behind the show behind what i am trying to do at beneath the force was to deconstruct to go in depth of people like anusha people like vivek people like all the other guests on the show who have been able to achieve success in whatever they are doing and come back to you with the key insights on how they have done it so i hope we've been able to inspire some of you whether you want to go write a piece of journalism whether you want to go climb a mountain or whether you want to just take the first step outside your couch and do something i think that's more important and with that note thanks a lot anusha and all excited for season 3 hopefully now yes thank you so much vishal and yes we're going to come back with a bag in season 3 thank you bye thanks bye give me a word ya koi bhi line kuch bhi ho sakta hai yaar kya kaha aapne topi okay mohan joshi hated wearing topis he felt suffocated in them टोपी पहनते ही उसे स्कूल की याद आती थी वेर ऑफकोर्स ही हैड नो चॉइस बट टू वेर अ टोपी वह जिस दिन पास आउट हुआ उसी दिन उसने अपने टोपी का बॉनफायर बना दिया एंड सिंस देन ही नेवर वर्न अ कैप और अट ना कड़कती धूप में एंड नॉट इवन टू बचो फ्रॉम द ठंडी बट फ्रॉम मंडे ट्वेंटी सिक्स फेब्रुवरी मोहन जोशी हैड टू वेर अ टोपी ऑल द टाइम वाई बिकॉज इफ ही डेंट Everyone around him knew exactly what he was thinking. They knew that he was wondering how the girl in the yellow churidar would look without clothes. They knew when he was calling the boss a sadela tomato. They knew everything. But how did this happen? Hey, brother, this is the story. And this story you have not given me by giving me the starting word. This is the Crocs tales. Words are your, the story is for you. Catch the stories on Monday and Thursday on the IBM website, app, and anywhere you get your podcast from. See you soon. Shunya one, shunya one, shunya one, shunya one. A billion-dollar acquisition. Another copycat startup got formed. No, the tech world in India is surely moving double the speed of this voiceover. Tune in to Shunya One every Tuesday to catch us talking to the smartest people we know on the IBM Podcast website, app, or wherever you get your podcasts from.